I have a purpose. We read it at every meeting. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. And I mean this with as, most, as much humility as I'll ever muster in my life. How grateful to the God of my understanding I am for giving me a chance to be so useful in his world to where once in a while I can reach out and touch somebody the way I was touched. That once in a while I can uh, have my hand of AA out there. And for that, it's given me a tremendous sense of purpose that I would have never known otherwise. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you are all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12-step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Hello, ladies and gents, boys and girls. That was the voice of Mr. Clay D that you heard at the beginning of this here episode 179 of Sober Speak. And you're going to hear much more from him in just a moment. But first things first, this episode is brought to you by Kayton, Christina, Kimmy, Terry, Andrew, and Trudy. Do you know what Kayton and Christina and Kimmy and Terry and Andrew and Trudy did? Well, let me inform you. They went to our website, SoberSpeak.com. They clicked on the little PayPal tab at the top of the page, and they made a Contribution. Thank you so much, Kayton and Christina and Kimmy and Terry and Andrew and Trudy. This episode is coming right out to youans. It is much appreciated. I, John M., just another bozo on the bus, will be the chairperson for this meeting between meetings, and I am truly honored and privileged to serve all of you listening in. So take a seat, if you will, around this virtual table, and let's get started. Remember, no matter what your past looks like, you are welcome here. It is an open table, and we're glad that you have joined us. Just a couple quick announcements on the front end. Once again, I so much enjoyed seeing several of you during our recovery yoga free session we do on Sunday afternoons, uh, and it was just uh, absolutely fantastic to put a name to a face, excuse me, a face to a name. I got that backwards, didn't I? But nonetheless, um, 
Uh, and uh, if you need any sort of information about how to join that session, go to our website, SoberSpeak.com and click on the Sober Resources tab. Once again, we do it from four to five. I say we. I am just a participant. Megan P. is the one leading these classes, but uh, she does it on four to five central p.m. standard time on Sunday afternoons, and we would love to see you there all of that information is on our website or all of the uh, login information is on our website. So go check it out. All right. So I, what did I do this week? I actually, oh, oh, this is interesting. I wasn't really going to share this, but, <laughs> but I thought, um, okay, so I watched my first Netflix show this week. Uh, I had it was, and I'm assuming that a lot of you know what Netflix is, at least. Uh, but it was the first show I'd ever watched by myself on Netflix. It was a a Bruce Springsteen on Broadway show. Uh, I really enjoyed that. In fact, you know, I guess I haven't fully. I, I've, I'm about a halfway through, and I'm going to go back and and watch the rest of it this week. I just don't watch a lot of Netflix and movies and stuff like that. And so do you say to yourself, John M., what does this have to do with recovery? Well, nothing really. (laughs) Nothing at all. I just happened to have a mic in front of me, and, and I just thought about that. But I do want to mention this, and that is I have been asked to be uh, to participate in the, the Texas State Conference that's coming up, and that is on, oh, let me go look here, on June 11th through 13th in Fort Worth, Texas, and I'll be out there. I hope some of you are out there as well. Let me know if you are, and if you want to participate by being a greeter or something of that nature, um, I know the folks with that organization they can get you hooked up to do that so just send me an email to john j-o-h-n at soberspeak.com and we will get you in touch with the folks that can do that it's so nice to have a uh, or i'm looking forward to going back to an in-person conference uh, haven't been to one in quite some time i guess it's the same with you all out there but i'm anyway i'm really looking forward to that all right, now on to this week's featured guest, who is Mr. Clay D. Oh, a friend of mine, Mr. Clay D. I absolutely love this gentleman. The name of this, um, we're, or we're calling this particular episode, I Have a Purpose. Clay has been sober since 1974. As he says, he was 12-stepped by Noah. <laughs> Noah from the Bible, get it? Nonetheless, uh, he talks about, we we cover a variety of different topics, including, and I always love these, the nicknames that we pick up in Alcoholics Anonymous, and he talks about the the group he sobered up in, and he talks about guys like One-Legged Joe and Pretty Paul. (laughs) We talk about Clay's business life and the successes he has had. Uh, uh, he's been fortunate enough to have in Alcoholics Anonymous. He talks about his advice he got from his sponsor at one point, and his sponsor Shep said, "Dream dreams." And he also says, "What you think about expands." And I've been thinking about that a lot uh, since Clay and I had this conversation. 
And he talks about how he applies those sentiments both to his personal life and to his business life. Clay is a former Navy man, and he talks about that Navy career, which included a pending court martial, as any good alcoholic would, I guess. And he talks about how he struggled with the concept of God when he first got into Alcoholics Anonymous, and his sponsor suggested to him that he just pray to, quote, to whom it may concern. All right, everybody. Enjoy, Mr. Clay D. I know you're going to, and we will have plenty of listener feedback at the end of this episode. Okay, everybody. So today we are sitting here with the one and only my friend, Mr. Clay D. So Clay D, go ahead, introduce yourself, if you would, please, and give your sobriety date if you would care to. Sure, John. Thank you. And I love your enthusiasm as usual. I am Clay D and I am an alcoholic. Uh, uh, By the grace of God, my last drink was March 27th, 1974. And I'm very, very grateful for that. Thank you for asking me to do this. You are more than welcome. 1974. So help us with the math there. How many years is that? Uh, It's 46 and uh, this March it'll be 47. Uh, wow. I was, I was, I was 12 step by Noah. <laughs> you were 12 step by Noah. <laughs> oh, and I got to tell people here, I, we were doing a little sound check before we started. And I said, <laughs> I said, uh, um, you, I always like to make sure there's not going to be any noise in the background. And I said, are there any, you know, like emails going off or phones or whatever, dogs barking? And I said, uh, so Clay, uh, do I need to be concerned about any uh, noises in the background and tell them what you told me? Oh, my God, that's not going to go out, is it? <laughs> only, only if my wife walks in and starts farting, I guess. <laughs> Oh, yes, yes, yes. So, all right. So now back to the task at hand. So Clay, my friend here, who has, he has been actually been on the podcast once before, but it was episode number, I think like three, if I'm not mistaken. And I didn't know what I was doing at the time. You were so gracious. You came over, you had just gotten out of like double knee surgery or something like that? What was going on at the time? Well, probably my whole body's, uh, I'm like the bionic man. I keep replacing body parts every other week, it seems like. (laughs) (laughs) But you had gotten two new knees, I believe. Was that what it was? Yeah. Yeah, because you used to run quite a bit. And uh, you came over here and you had to come up the stairs because the my quote studio is <laughs> is upstairs. Studio A is upstairs. So you came up here. I had this mic that I had bought at Best Buy. We sat it down in, in between both of us, and I was just trying to figure out what to do, how to do it. And you were so gracious, and and I so much appreciated. And I just uh, uh, a, a few weeks ago, I just for whatever reason, I was thinking your your name popped in my head, and I just said I gotta have. Clay back on again. So I appreciate you coming on. Well, thank you, John. All right. So um, uh, 
Let's get into your story a little bit. You're a sailor. Uh, and by that, I mean a Navy man. So why don't you tell us a little bit about where you came from? And I still can't believe you've been sober for 46 years. That is absolutely fantastic. But uh, tell us a little bit about your your background, your you know your Navy experience. You start where you want to, Mr. Clay D. Oh, and the other thing I wanted to say is everybody knows you not as Clay, but Clay D., Yes. As in David for your last name. Yes. And why are you called Clay D as opposed to just Clay? Well, uh, when I got sober, uh, the the old time AA, especially with what I call hardcore AA, uh, I mean, I thought my name was asshole my first six months of sobriety because that's the only thing they called <laughs> newcomers in those days. But uh, everybody had nicknames, all these twinklers, all these old guys who I, I grew to love and respect and admire so much. Uh, there was Shep, who was my my sponsor for uh, 42 of my 46 years till he passed. Uh, there was Big Pete. There was Pretty Paul. There was One-Legged Joe. Uh, there was Blizzard <laughs> Bob. Everybody had a nickname. So I'm, I don't know, I'm six months, seven, eight months sober somewhere along that. I go up to this guy, Pretty Paul, and uh, I say, hey, I need one of those nicknames. And uh, Paul says to me, he says, oh, you've got one. I said, well, well, I didn't know that. What is it? He said, asshole. And so <laughs> I thought, yeah, really, that's not going to work. <laughs> I said, you know, I've been sober six months now. <laughs> it seemed like I could come up with something better than that. And I, I, so anyway, I just said, how about Clay D? <laughs> and it's not that there was an abundance of clays running around the room. <laughs> it was just better than asshole at the time. And, it stuck. <laughs> so did one-legged Joe, just out of curiosity, have one leg, I'm assuming? Yeah, he did. Uh, and story with one-legged Joe, one of my very best friends that I went back and forth to work with all the time in carpool, uh, another sailor. Uh, I didn't have anything when, when we got sober. I didn't have luggage or anything. And Joe needed to go to San Francisco. And so uh, I, I go to my buddy Ed and say, Ed, can I borrow some luggage for uh, One-Legged Joe? Uh, we've, ne- we've never seen One-Legged Joe or that luggage since. <laughs> that, that was one of the amends I had to make. <laughs> and, okay, so I, you know, I asked you a couple questions, and now I'm asking some other questions, and I've had some other thoughts here, okay? So I... As opposed to going into your background first, I, w- I want to talk about this because I think it's very intriguing. Um, you know, you and I talk offline, so to speak. You know, we're not always on a mic when we're talking. And one of the things that I, I talk to you about is your business career. And I'm very interested in knowing, can you talk a little bit, you've told me some of those stories about your business career after you actually got started into Alcoholics Anonymous, what some of the turning points were. Uh, As you mentioned there, you didn't have anything when you started out, you know, you've done very well for yourself, but can you kind of sum up your business career under the umbrella of your recovery? Well, sure. I, uh, it's nothing short of miraculous. I, I'm the least likely candidate for a miracle you'll ever meet, but here I sit. Um, my last 10 years, I spent 20 years in the Navy, 
and I got sober uh, in my ninth year. So my last uh, 10 years, uh, I was an alcoholism treatment counselor for the Navy in different places around the world. But uh, And I, that segued into my civilian life, and uh, I started working uh, in chemical dependency programs as a director of different programs, and then I uh, ended up uh, directing and uh, being administrator of a psychiatric hospital that did both psychiatric medicine and uh, and uh, chemical dependency. And anyway, as a result of that, I ended up working in a corporation as a uh, senior vice president, uh, traveling around region. Have have a, a series of hospitals I was responsible to manage, and ended up getting fired from that job. And of course, I was appalled. I mean, I, they want to fire me. <laughs> I never been fired for anything. I mean, the Navy didn't even fire me. I mean, that's how I got in AA was. So go back to that day you were fired. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm sure it really is kind of water under the bridge now. But how, what was going on in your mind at that time? What a, what a jerk! How can you do this? You know, I, I I've got to be one of the most important people you have. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, uh, a legend in my own mind. But anyway, it was it was borderline wrongful uh, termination. So they gave me a nice severance, whole bunch of stuff. But uh, you know, it was just the difference for me uh, having to deal with the civilian nuances of uh, the industries, I guess you'd call it, or corporate uh, corporate ladder climbing. But what happened is, my wife and I. Uh, uh, she's been in Al-Anon, actually a couple months longer than I've been in AA. But uh, uh, that weekend, it was always, a, you know, they always fire you on a Friday, so you can't bitch and moan too much <laughs> right away. But anyway, they, uh, uh, Linda was, uh, you know, Linda said, you know, you've got a lot of contacts, you know a lot of people. I said, uh, maybe you could start your own company or something. And, and so this is one of the real spiritual experiences. You know, the book talks about profound spiritual experiences. Well, this is definitely one of mine. Or, you know, and what it says in there, see to it that your relationship with God is right and great events will come to pass. Well, this was definitely one of my great events. And anyway, uh, this was on a Saturday. And so uh, uh, I'm sitting there thinking, and I've been praying about it and my whole life. My whole sober life, let me point that out. Uh, my sponsor taught me to start be a dreamer. And he said, dream dreams and one day you'll realize them. And what you think about expands. And I always fantasized and dreamed about, you know, running my own company, doing something for uh, recovery or something along those lines. So anyway, I, long, uh, uh, this day, this Saturday, uh, Linda and I are talking about this, and so I'm I'm really seriously contemplating about it, and I and I had been praying about it, uh, and that afternoon, uh, I got a call from a hospital administrator, where I had had one of my contracts, and that was a hospital in Denton, Texas, at the time, and uh, and this hospital administrator, uh, a very nice lady, she says, Clay. Uh, I was wondering if you knew somebody that we are reopening our psych unit and we would like to have somebody like you that we can contract with, but we don't like your company. We don't like some of the things they've done. and We don't like the things that uh, uh, 
but we did like you. We liked your values, and you were always a straight shooter, blah, blah, blah. And so I said, Shh, uh, and I'm sitting there like this, you know, looking at the phone like God himself had called me. And, and I said, well, her name was Michelle. I said, Michelle, I just started my own company. <laughs> would, would you be interested in me contracting with you? <laughs> and and, uh, and uh, I mean, you can't make this shit up. <laughs> and, uh, and so she says, yes, but... And I said, oh, <laughs> she says, yes, but uh, Dr. So-and-so, who's a psychiatrist that I had uh, recruited there to be the medical director for that program, had been really uh, uh, cheated by the company that I had worked for. They cheated him out of several thousands of dollars. And uh, he was very upset about it. And I and I told her this. And I, I said, you know, uh, he may not want me to be involved. Uh, because he may tie me to that. I did not have anything to do with it. I want you to know that, but I want you to know that before I have a conversation with him. And what she told me was, well, I hate to tell you this, but we cannot go with anybody that he doesn't want to work with. And I said, okay, uh, I'll get back to you. So I call up this doctor uh, as soon as I got off the phone with her, and he took the call. And I told him, his first name is Gary. And I said, Gary, I said, uh, this is the deal. This is what's going on. I just in the process of starting a, uh, my own company. And uh, uh, Michelle has told me that she would like uh, would work with me, but she won't work with me unless you uh, bless it and sign off on it. And uh, I swear to God, it brings tears to my eyes to this day, John. Uh, this doctor says to me, he says, Clay, I not only will tell her I will work with you. I'm going to tell her I will not work with anybody but you. And uh, uh, again, I, you know, all I can do, all I can share with you is I wake up, I suit up, I show up, I do what you people tell me to do. I say the prayers you told me, taught me to, to say, and shit like that has happened to me. Uh, these great events will come to pass when my relationship with God is right. And that was just one of the big ones. And then we've had several companies since then and uh, st still have one going that, uh, but uh I sold three of them and the keep, I, I, I'm afraid to quit. I'm afraid I'll die. <laughs> <laughs> well, with all your biotic parts, you'll just kind of <laughs> fall apart, right? Well, well they're going to uh, cremate me, but all they're going to get is a bunch of chunks of metal out of the deal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I want to, you mentioned uh, briefly there, your sponsor, uh, his name was Shep, correct? Yes. And I want you to talk about your relationship with Shep, when it started, what it's been, what it was like throughout the years. I know he's passed now, but you go ahead and talk about Shep a little bit. Well, I was a teenager. Um, I, I was alcoholic from 15 on. And uh, at 18, I went into the Navy and, uh, you know, I, uh, which was uh, a culture that was made and bred for alcoholics. This was uh, 1965, for crying out loud. Uh, long story short, you know, I'd, I'd been married, divorced, had a child, and was remarried again by the time I was 22 years old. Uh, you know, but I didn't think there was anything going on. <laughs> 
Fortunately, <laughs> the second one, she still she she was uh, an untreated Aladon, so she hung in there. <laughs> we, we just celebrated fifty-one years. Or we uh, will, we will celebrate fifty-one years tomorrow on Valentine's Day. You know, oh, whatever that's else great. I was, I was a romantic drunk. So, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, but Shep, uh, the way I got introduced to Shep was he was a civilian at Pearl Harbor, a station in Hawaii. And he ran the Navy's alcohol abuse awareness program and was instrumental in starting treatment centers. And this was the early 1970s. And he had started throughout the West Coast and uh, Pearl Harbor uh, a treatment center. And uh, as a, he was a retired chief himself. And so anyway, I got uh, I did something egregious. I finally caught up to the Navy. Everything else was in the shit in the shithole, but th this was one thing. The Navy career was the only thing I still really had going for me, and I loved the Navy. I really did, and I still do. But uh, I finally got uh, uh, recommended for court martial. I won't go into all the detail of that, but that, that'd be another podcast. But anyway, uh, and so uh, this guy is. <laughs> This guy that I worked for, this Navy commander that I worked for, he was chewing me out up one side and down the other. And, you know, John, I don't know about you or the folks that you're going to be listening to this mess, but uh, there's always a reason that I could come up with in my insane mind of why I did the rabbit ass crazy things that I did that didn't have to make sense to anybody else. But I could convince myself, well, that's why that happened. But while this guy was chewing me out, this was the first time in my life that I couldn't come up with a reason that I could accept. And so all of a sudden, in the middle of this ass chewing, this commander says to me, he says, Deardorff, do you think you might be alcoholic? And oh, man, the light went on in my head. It's like somebody uh, turned on a switch. Uh, I had big ass alligator tears flowing down my cheeks. Oh my God, yes, Commander, I'm so glad the secret is finally out. I've been waiting for somebody to do this, and I just hadn't known what to do. And I just, you know, just horseshit upon horseshit upon horseshit. And uh, he said, Well, and it worked. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. If you go over there and talk to this retired uh, chief, his name's Shep, and do everything he says to do, I says, I'll uh, put this court martial recommendation in my pending basket and we'll see what happens after that and so that was my introduction to Alcoholics Anonymous and uh, of course Shep I mean I'm in my mid-20s and Shep's a father figure he's uh, he was old at the time <laughs> in his 40s <laughs> and anyway uh, he, I walk in and says, he says well youngster which pissed me off right away he says you think you're sick and tired of being sick and tired and so I go into my act and, oh, my God, yes, I, uh, I, I'm i sicker and tireder than anybody you probably know. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, you know, that's where it started. So it's not surprising why my nickname was Asshole for my first six months of sobriety. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, I was the youngest guy in those days that uh, by at least 5, 10, 15 years of every meeting I went to, you know, it just there were just was not a lot of young people at the time when I got in. So I feel very fortunate, look, in hindsight. And how long was Shep your sponsor? Up until uh, the day he died, uh, uh, I, uh, I, was, I was 42 when he died. And he died with 55 years of sobriety. Right. You were 42 years sober, right? And he, and he was 55 years sober. My goodness. Yes. yes. So that was a long stretch. Did you ever tell him he was a temporary sponsor? You're going to 
give them a shot. We didn't have words like that. I mean, yeah, uh, we didn't do that. We didn't talk back. You know, uh, you know. Uh, I remember one time he, I, I, uh, I did not believe in God when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous. I was raised by a mom and dad that didn't believe in God. I didn't believe in God, and so. You know, the first thing they, he, he says, he says, well, uh, you're going to have to start praying uh, to God every morning. I want you to say, please, God, help me stay sober today. And every night, if you don't drink that day, I want you to say, dear God, thank you for letting me stay sober that day. And I told him, I said, well, uh, I don't think I want to do that. Uh, and, I, and I said, I don't believe in God. And, he, and his reply was, does this look like the face of a man who gives a fly and fuck what you want to do? <laughs> you know? God and Alcoholics Anonymous doesn't give a shit what you want to do. These are the things that you will do, or you and I are going to have a short life together. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so I said, well, what do I do about not believing in God? And uh, Shep says, well, why don't you pray to whom it may concern? He says, God doesn't care what he's called, only that he's called. And so uh, that's how I started my spiritual journey, John, is that, uh, uh, you know, and this man who was a devout Catholic, by the way, uh, had the wisdom and the foresight and just that, just that spiritual wisdom that these old guys had uh, that had been sober for a while that uh, 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 gave me that glimpse of uh, willingness you know, and in my opinion to this day, and it's strictly my opinion, the most important word, single word in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, first 164 pages at least, is willing, willingness. You know, if I don't give a shit how stupid you are, how dumb you are, uh, how uh, agnostic or unbelieving you are, if you are willing, uh, you will have the chance to get sober. And, uh, and that's just my experience. And I know that's true. You know, the only thing, I don't know a lot, but the things that I do know, I've learned only from experience. As, you know, I've got beliefs, uh, I've got stuff, but I don't know shit until I've experienced it, good or bad. Let me take a little break here. We will be continuing our conversation with Clay D. in just a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to Sober Speak. You can find us on the World Wide Web at SoberSpeak.com. You can also find the donate button on our website. You can use if and only if the spirit moves you to do such. Please keep in mind this is a podcast funded by you, the listener. SoberSpeak is a self-supporting organization through our own contributions. We are not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. We do not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorse nor oppose any causes. All right, now back to Mr. Clay D. I want to talk about your family a little bit, uh, your beautiful family, um, and in particular, uh, well, first of all, I, uh, I want you to talk about whatever you want to talk about here, but I want to make sure that we talk about the story of your son, uh, Cliff, uh, and when he was born and the circumstances around that. Um, I've heard that before, but I would love for the audience to hear that again, if you would. Well, sure. Thank you, John. I, uh, uh, again, I, I, I was, during my first year of sobriety, in my ninth month of sobriety uh, specifically, uh, my father, who I was very close to, he died with seven years 
of sobriety from uh, uh, chronic, chronic alcoholism, uh, not in AA. He never stepped foot in AA, but he was able to get sober and stay sober and live seven years. And he died. I thought he was old at the time, but he died when he was 58. Uh, and, uh, and, and what, and I was just really developing this, uh, my spiritual, uh, uh, relationship with my higher power. And, uh, and then he died in, uh, in January. I celebrated my first year in March. Uh, and then, uh, uh, what happened, what happened was, uh, 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 a year later, my first of two sober sons was born, and he, that's Cliff. We were going to name uh, uh, Cliff another name, but Linda liked my dad so much, she said, why don't we name him after your dad? So that's what we did. That's where Cliff got his name. Uh, but he was, uh, uh, we were still in Hawaii, and uh, I was working in a Navy treatment center at the time as a, as a counselor. Uh, which is God scary. I got a year sober under my belt and I've tried to help these poor bastards coming in the door. <laughs> but uh, uh, anyway, uh, Cliff was born on a Sunday. I remember going over the young people's meeting and uh, all elated and uh, about it that night. And uh, uh, young people was a misdemeanor. There's, I was the only young person in the damn thing. But uh, uh that night, about two in the morning, uh, Linda called me from Tripler Army Hospital and said, uh, come to the hospital. Uh, there's something wrong with the, the baby. He's an albino. And so, uh, geez, I jump up. I'm doing the third step prayer. I'm uh, doing what what uh, the uh, a serenity prayer, the prayers that I know uh, over and over again. I'm driving uh, from where we lived. We lived at the time in uh, 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 Pearl City, Hawaii. And I drive up to Tripler. And I come up the red light before you go up this big hill to go to the, the army hospital. And all of a sudden, the thought hits me out of the blue. Clay, you don't even know what the fucking albino is. And I can't tell you, I just I just relaxed. It was like warm fluid flowing through me. And, and, and you know, and I didn't. I didn't have a clue what it was. But I went up there and, uh, again, uh, see to it that your relationship with God is right and remarkable events will come to pass. The doctor on duty that night uh, uh, in the uh, maternity ward where Linda was, uh, was a guy in Alcoholics Anonymous, friend of mine, an army captain doctor. And, uh, and uh, you, you can't script stuff like that. You just, you just can't make that shit up. And so anyway, uh, uh, we got through that. The deal with albinism is that uh, there's nothing wrong with them except they don't have pigment in their skin. And they're legally blind because pigment is required for the macula to develop in your eye. And I won't go into all that. But uh, he has extremely limited uh, legally blind vision. Uh, but he's one of the most capable, comp competent people I know. He's got a master's uh, M MBA uh uh, he and his wife had their own um, drug trial business. She's in the program, too. He's been in the program a number of years. Uh, my oldest son from my first marriage that I kicked out when he was two years old, he's got 13 years now in Narcotics Anonymous. So, I'd, you know, it's, uh, uh, my wife and Al and I, we're just a recovering, recovering family. It's, uh, 
which ego is going to uh, try to top the next ones whenever we have family dinners. <laughs> <laughs> and, but don't I remember, didn't they give you a prognosis for a cliff that was not oh, exactly stellar? Oh, God, yeah. Thank you for reminding me. He, uh, The doctors at that time at Tripler said, uh, if you wrap this kid up uh, like a mummy and try to keep him out of the hot sun, of course, we're in Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, uh, or I was stationed there at the time. Says so then he might live till he's eighteen years old and not die of skin cancer or some other uh, uh, thing. And, and of course, we're young, we're you know, and we're new in recovery, and you know, it scared the shit out of us. Uh, and it was for the people in the program, uh, the Sheps, Big Pete's, the Pretty Pauls, all these guys. Uh, I just wouldn't have made it through it. And uh, uh, and I remember one time I was in Big Pete's office. And, uh, and you know, uh, one of their favorite things of doing to newer people, newcomers like me anyway, was, uh, are you happy about sobriety? And if you look like you were depressed, unhappy, or pissed off, uh, you know, you, your automatic response was, oh, yeah, very happy. Thank you. I said, well, why don't you have somebody kill your fucking face? And so uh, <laughs> anyway, it was one of those moments. And I'm in his office and, and uh and he and uh, and I and I was able able to just spew it all out. I was so full of hurt, so full of anger. You know, gosh darn it! I'm trying to do all this stuff. I'm trying to create this relationship with God. My dad dies. I named my boy after him. My boy's got albinism. You know, I was just really in the pits, uh, the emotional pits. And uh, Pete got up off his desk, around uh, back of his desk, walked over to this uh, love seat that I was sitting on. And he just sat down next to me, and they never, never did that. And he put his hand on my knee, and he says, no, says, Clay, you're missing it. He says, God must love you a great deal to put you through this now. Just think what would have happened if that boy would have been born two years ago at the height of your active alcoholism. And I've never forgotten that. And uh, so, uh, but anyway, that's that's my cliff story. I can I, have one of these on each kid if you want. I got four of them. <laughs> and they're all a mess one way or another, but uh, they're my mess. <laughs> I've, given them, I've given them just enough to work on on themselves. I didn't want them to be too friggin' perfect, and they're not. <laughs> uh, by the way, when I go back and, you know, I have to edit these episodes and then I have to publish them and such like that. And you don't realize this, but there are certain ones that I have to mark because of the rules of the podcast world. I have to mark them explicit. You have now come <laughs> into the explicit arena. Congratulations well, <laughs> with some of your flowery verbiage. Uh I want you to know that I'm a sailor, uh, that I uh, am a graduate of the Navy with a well-rounded sailor vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. And I can tell you from personal conversations with you, you're kind of holding back here. <laughs> I'm trying to be polite. <laughs> By the way, was I, I meant to ask you, was Pretty Paul a handsome guy? Well, Is that you why know, you called him you know, Pretty Dick Paul? Clark. Paul just died, uh, oh, I guess he died about five years ago. He, he was in that range of guys that were 20, 25, 30 years older than me. Uh, but he was a, like a Dick Clark. When he was in his 70s, he looked like he was 45 years old. You know, he just didn't age. 
Uh, and I don't think back then that uh, too many men dyed their hair very much, and he never lost his hair, so he had a full head of hair, and uh, uh, and it was dark all the time. It's just, uh, but he was he was a really a neat guy. That's great. Okay, so I, you know, I've heard you mention before, and I absolutely love this story. You said there was a time you had first gotten no, 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 you weren't sober. You were on the way to being sober and you used to go around and you had this habit of like stealing cars on some sort of consistent basis. I never stole a car. I borrowed a lot of them, but I never <laughs> stole it. If, if you steal something, you usually keep it. But I, <laughs> you know, what, what happened is when I met my, uh, my wife, uh, she was this really pretty wicked Wahine looking woman. I picked her up in a bar in Waikiki one night and, uh, uh, and what happened was she was, uh, uh, we closed the dance joint down. There was a band playing. And so I asked her if she'd go out to breakfast with me. And she said, yes. And uh, so uh, uh, I had just totaled my car two weeks before meeting her. And so I always was beholden to other people or buses to get back and forth out to the base where I, the apartment I had out there with another alcoholic. Uh, and uh, anyway, she was so enamored with me. Uh, that night, she was uh, she would decide to go out to breakfast with me after the place closed because she was hungry. Uh, but two of her roommates were dating two Honolulu Police Department guys, and so she asked me for my ID, my driver's license. I gave it to her. She took it over to the table where they were sitting, and I saw them writing stuff down. Anyway, she I said, "What's that all about?" I said, "Well, they both are uh, HPD, and if." Uh, uh, if I'm not back in an hour, uh, they're going to come looking for you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I really impressed her a lot. <laughs> but, she was, but she was hungry. <laughs> so, and, uh, but anyway, uh, 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 the, it was really not always my fault. You know, usually it wasn't in those days, especially it's always somebody else's or something. The uh, buses back in those days uh, uh, in Hawaii quit running at midnight. It's not like that now, I don't think, but they quit running at midnight. But the bars didn't close until it's either one or two in the morning. And so uh, uh, in Hawaii in the 60s, uh, late 60s, people that parked along the roads there, and uh, she lived uh, in an apartment on the Alawai Canal just lined with cars, uh, uh, Nobody, everybody left their windows down half the time. They never locked a car, and nine times out of ten, they'd leave keys in them. So when it came time for me uh, to head back out to my place, I'd just walk along till I saw a car with keys in it, and I'd borrow that car and drive it out to uh, uh, Pearl, Pearl City, I had, where I had this apartment, and there was this shopping center. And I parked every car I borrowed, and I can't tell you how many, 15 or more at least, uh, may probably more than that, but anyway, in the same place every damn time. And uh, uh, why? And here's the real rub: I was an intelligence analyst at the time for the Navy. <laughs> I had, you know, security, oh, no. security clearances and all kinds of things. I mean, obviously they didn't ever do anything for fingerprints or anything like that. But you know, we alcoholic, we desensitize ourselves. I can remember the first car I borrowed, man. 
I'm sitting there like this, driving down the road with both hands on the wheel and looking in the rearview mirror. Uh, and about the fifth car, you know, I got the windows down. I got the radio full blast. And I'm going, you know, it just, it'll never happen to me. And it didn't. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that, that's one of the tamer tales, I guess you could call it. <laughs> <laughs> I won't ask you to go uh, into the uh, non-tame tales. Uh, so, so Clay, obviously you've been doing this a while. You've sponsored tons of guys, and I, I know a lot of them. Some of them you've ruined, some of them you haven't. But nonetheless, <laughs> uh, you you sponsor tons of guys. You've been around AA. Uh, AA has afforded you a good life. You're still active in the program. Just kind of tell me, give me a summary of your life in Alcoholics Anonymous, if you can, what you want the listeners to know, just a little experience, strength, and hope around Alcoholics Anonymous. Well, I can only share with you what uh, was shared with me and what is still so meaningful to me. Uh, uh, what Shep uh, drilled into my head is, uh, John, I have a disease that wants to kill me. It has one purpose, and that's just simply to kill me. It uses anything it can. Uh, it uses people, places, things, circumstances, situations. Uh, uh, it, it's rooted in selfishness and self-centeredness, and it continues whether I drink or not. Now, you know, you go through the steps. We get to our maintenance steps, and both 10 and 11 are pretty direct about continue to watch for uh, selfishness, resentment, dishonesty, and fear. That's what continues and uh, it never goes away. Uh, I heard a long time ago, and I love it. I've got alcoholism, not alcoholism. That's why I stay active. I, you know, I'd love to have your audience or you or anybody else think I'm a benevolent, oh, be joyful, wonderful guy. Truth of the matter is I do this to save my ass, plain and simple. I remember Shep one time ta uh, talking to a guy and uh, I forget how, how it really came up. He, and Shep says to him, said, well, says, all I can tell you is if either you or I get drunk and there's a good chance that one of us will, my money's on you because I'm not going to drink today. And so that, and that's kind of how I feel about it. Uh, Shep used to look at me and uh, look at a lot of people uh, when we were kind of off the beam is the popular thing to say today. Uh and, and 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 when he talked, it looked like fire came out of his mouth almost. Says, you know, you can never ever fucking drink again, ever, and don't you forget it. And then he start to walk away, and he always come back and says, ever, you can never ever drink again. And so, I mean, that stuff still runs very deep in me, even when I have emotional relapse or dry drunks or whatever the pop phrase is for being off the beam. Uh, but uh, uh, the truth of the matter is, I guess what I'd want, there's two things that I would want anybody to hear uh, if I had something to offer, if I do, and that's uh, just don't drink. No matter what's going on in your life, I've seen people or and had my own experiences and friends and guys I sponsor. Uh, if they don't drink, they get through anything, and I mean anything. Just don't drink. That would be one message that I would want everybody to hear. Uh, uh, and all those, Shep used to have a big thing that drilled into me is that all the uh, negative things that happen to us, uh, 
are opportunities to grow. Uh, you know, and uh, uh, I've never worked the steps harder than when I've screwed up the most, uh, as long as I didn't drink. But the second, probably the most meaningful thing for me is purpose. Uh, when you're a guy like me with the selfish, self-centered ego that I have, with the, uh, I used to, I like what this guy Wayne Dyer used to say all the time. I used to uh, love uh, things and use people. And Alcoholics Anonymous taught me to love people and use things. But uh, I have a purpose. You know, uh, we read it at every meeting. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. And I mean this with as, most, as much humility as I'll ever muster in my life. How grateful to the God of my understanding I am for giving me a chance to be so useful in his world to where once in a while I can reach out and touch somebody the way I was touched. That once in a while I can uh, have my hand of AA out there. And for that, it's given me a tremendous sense of purpose that I would have never known otherwise. And if I stay true to that purpose, shit at work, shit in my family, uh, stuff with my kids, stuff with my grandkids now, all of that finds a way of working itself out as long as Clay D stays true to my primary purpose. Love it, Clay. I always spend, I always love spending time with you, my friend. I love you. You know that. I love that. you, too. I love you. So More much. Yeah, you, too, brother. You have been so important in my sobriety. Um, you know, sharing my path with it. I'm just so thankful that you have allowed me to be part of your life throughout this journey. Uh, you and and your lovely bride. God bless you. Um, anyway, thank you for coming on today, Clay. I sure do appreciate it. I, I Thank you. I appreciate it more than you know. Uh, I hope there's somebody sick enough out there to get something out of it. Me too. <laughs> 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 I'm going to read page 164 from the book and close this out. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. By the way, you are an expert at that, Clay, and I am so appreciative of that. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Once again, Clay D., God bless you, my friend. I love you. Mr. Clay D., from my heart to yours, thank you so much, my friend, for taking time out of your schedule to share your story with not only me, but obviously the listeners of Sober Speak, I know they're going to get a lot out of it. In fact, if you did have a positive experience with that, and who wouldn't listening to Mr. Clay D? If you would pause your device and share that episode with a friend or family member, it may be just what they need today. We don't want you sharing your gossip or your STDs, but we do want you sharing that episode if you think it may help somebody else. Now, on to a little bit of listener feedback for Ewan's. Brian writes in, actually, you know, this is a text I got. I don't usually include text that I receive, but, but I wanted to tell you about this one. This one is actually from Brian 
a P. He has been on the episode in the past. Uh, in fact, his first episode he was with us is episode number 144. It's called A Bank Robber Turns Himself In to Alcoholics Anonymous. If you want to go back and listen to that one, it was absolutely fantastic. Brian writes in and he said, hey, I wanted to let you know, John, that I helped a guy years ago in the prison system in Maine. Uh, And he he ended up back in the county jail. They let him access recovery stuff, and your podcast was an option. That's great. He had prayed the day before asking God to help. He got on your podcast and saw my name, and we just reconnected yesterday via phone from the jail. So I want to say thank you for all that you do, Brian P. Well, that is amazing, Brian. And I don't have the name of the gentleman in uh, prison in Maine or in jail there, but uh, if you are listening, my friend, uh, I'm glad you reached out to Brian, and I'm glad you two were able to get in touch together. Uh, it's a we program, and we all do this together, and uh, I would just consider this not to be a coincidence, uh, but a little God shot. Johnny post in the super secret Facebook group. He says, Hey, I'm 30 days sober. A month ago, the Grim Reaper was in my shadow, but not today. He's been replaced by God. I surely didn't think that it was going to happen, but I'm so grateful it did. Thank you to all of my new friends, to SoberSpeak and to Zoom. I've done more in this month than I did in a year prior. I attended a yoga meeting in Texas, Texas, laugh out loud, and a few meetings in California. He's talking about, Johnny came into that that yoga class I've been talking about uh, where you can find it. Go to our website, SoberSpeak.com, and look at Sober Resources, and you can join as well. But uh, anyway, it was good to see Johnny there. And then he said, most importantly, I'm sponsored by a guy who lives and, quote, other-centered, unquote, life as a result of working these steps. I have a long way to go as there is a considerable damage to my personal and professional relationships. My fiancés, oh, excuse me, (laughs) my fiancés, I thought, wow, you got more than one. My finances are in tatters. I have no anxiety over any of this today. And as I know, it'll all work out if I stay honest and transparent and I stay clean uh, and I stay clean and sober today. Wow. Thank you all. He's talking to all the people in the super secret Facebook group there. Thank you for the prayers and the messages of encouragement. I need you all, Johnny. That is so great, Johnny. So glad to have you in there. And um, uh, if anybody's wondering, if you're new to the uh, to the uh, podcast and you think to yourself, well, self, how do I get in that super secret Facebook group like Johnny? Send me your email associated with your Facebook account to John, J-O-H-N at SoberSpeak.com. Sangha writes in and she says, good day. Well, good day, Sangha. 
My name is Senga. I'm 34. I I am from Brisbane, Australia. I am 105 days sober and I love your podcast. I find that going to meetings and listening to Sober Speak helps me a lot. I have started listening from the beginning and I am up to episode number 91. I have a big problem with calling people when I am struggling. I had a sponsor, but I feel she has given up on me because I find it hard to talk on the phone. I don't know what is wrong with me. If you could help me somehow, that would be great. I feel like a child half the time. Lots of love to you and to your family. Sangha. P.S. Can I join the super secret Facebook group? Well, Sangha, uh, I have responded. I don't think I've heard back from you yet, but I just said, you know, I can get you in touch with another woman in the program if you would like. More than happy to do that. Um, you know, eventually, I, it's going to take talking to people on the phone or in meetings, uh, but but I get it, right? And we all struggle with that. And I completely, I shouldn't say we all, a lot of us struggle with that. Um, but I completely get that. And uh, I feel like a child half the time myself, Zinka. Uh, the people who listen to me on this podcast probably know that. But nonetheless, um, I, I will get you in touch with somebody and hopefully we can get some communication going with you and other women there. Stuart writes in, Stuart says, my name is Stuart R. I am 55 years old from Medicine Hat, Alberta, Canada. The name of the city is Medicine Hat. Wow, what a cool name for a city. He says, I am 70 days sober today. Prior to that, I was 32 months sober, and then I wet, then I wet the bed, so to speak. <laughs> wet the, I've never heard him put that way, but uh, Stuart says, I want to thank you for your podcast. It's wonderful, and I listen and I learn when I'm out running. I heard you, I heard on your podcast this morning from Ricky R. that alcohol wasn't the problem, that alcoholism hit is that hit me so powerfully it is so true alcoholism has cost cost me a couple of good jobs self-respect and currently my driver's license but worst of all the love of my life your podcast is helping me every day along with my sponsor the fellowship of aa and my big book i am working on strengthening my relationships every day i am grateful every day and send out my gratitude to my wife my three great kids and my son's girlfriend I am cleaning up my side of the street and I pray that I will get the chance to work on getting my marriage back on track. Also, I would like to be part of the Super Secret Facebook group. Thanks for what you do and keep on keeping on, Stuart R. Well, thank you, Stuart. David writes in and he says, David, uh, he says, good day to you, John. Good day, David. Now, he's not from uh, Australia, but he still says good day. My name is David A. and I am an alcoholic. I found your podcast a couple of weeks ago and have been listening to it multiple times a day ever since. The energy from you and from the amazing folks that you interview is so refreshing. It's exactly what I needed to get me through some hard days. I recently retired from 29 years in the fire service. In approximately 2003, I began to drink heavily to self-medicate in an attempt to ease the symptoms of what I know was severe work-related PTSD and major depressive order. 
My drinking lasted for the better part of 20 years, and I can only re- and I only recently came to understand that although I drank to ease the symptoms associated with my work-related illness illnesses, I was an alcoholic from my first drink. For most of my drinking career, I was fully functional in the way that any of us really are, in that I was able to do my job and meet the responsibilities of my life. Drinking was my medicine. I can relate to that. It helped me sleep or go back to sleep, and it helped to quiet my mind. Boy, I can really relate to that, Mr. David. He said, I was afraid to fall asleep because of the work-related nightmares were so bad. Staying awake was also a problem due to the constant intrusive thoughts. Every day was my own private nightmare, and drinking and drugging were the only things that consistently gave me any relief until they didn't. Over the past five to ten years or so, alcohol began to be uh, began to become a fuel for the fire instead of numbing the agent that worked for me for so long. Not only did it stop working for me for, with it, for its intended purpose, but it started to make things worse in every aspect of my life. No longer able to quiet my mind or quiet the nightmares in check, I began a very methodical plan to take my own life. In the state where I work, suicide is considered a line of duty death. I knew that my family would receive a substantial sum of money and other benefits, and I wholeheartedly believe that giving them those benefits was the best thing I could do for them. I attempted, yet clearly and thankfully failed, to follow through with that plan and ended up going into a detox facility, followed by a nearly two-month stay in a residential treatment for PTSD. We attended regular 12-steps meetings, and after about a month, I finally was able to stand up at a meeting and say out loud, my name is David, and I am an alcoholic. My sobriety date is October 27, 2019, and I have, been act- I have been an active and grateful member of AA ever since, having completed all the 12 steps and 12 traditions with the guidance of my amazing sponsor. I now sponsor a few men, and I am active in a recovery program through my union by hosting online meetings for career firefighters from all over the United States and Canada. Oh, that's great, David. The program of Alcoholics Anonymous has given me and my family so much, and I am eternally grateful. I have not had a drink today, and I thank God for that. Now that I have time and the means, in other words, I am sober and motivated, I am doing a lot of projects around the house that are long overdue. I often listen to your podcast when I am working on something and and came across Sober Speak by doing a search for AA-related podcasts. I've been hooked ever since and listened to at least one episode a day. The most recent episode I listened to that resonated with me was episode number 83 with John. John W. Oh, yeah, about the the principles of Alcoholics Anonymous. The wisdom that you and your guests drop on me is life-changing. Your podcast is truly my meeting between meetings and such a wealth of inspiration and knowledge. Thank you, 
Brother John, for all you do fraternally, David A. Well, thank you, David A. What a lovely note. And um, gosh, you know, you've made such a turnaround, and that's so good to hear. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you so much again for writing in. I do appreciate it. And for helping out those firefighters, that's a that's a heck of a that's a heck of a service that you provide there. And if there are any firefighters out there listening and you want me to get you in touch with David, just send me a note. I'm sure he would be uh, glad to help. I haven't asked in advance. I should have asked that before I put this out there, but nonetheless. All right, everybody, we are through another week of Sober Speak. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. Thank you guys for letting me be of service. Thank you for listening in. As I always say, I'm taking this week by week. I will probably be back next week, but we shall see. God bless you, my friends.